Good evening, this is Caleb Arnd with the Walk With God podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you for joining me tonight on this last day of April, this 30th day of April. We're going to be reading from Psalm 101 tonight, Judges chapter 11 through chapter 12 verse 15, Proverbs chapter 14 verses 13 and 14, and we're going to start the book of John tonight. The the book by the apostle that describes Jesus in his most uh, revealing form of how he was God and how he is God and such an amazing testimony and gospel account that we get to read from and study from tonight. Uh, before we get started, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please bless this land. Please bless the listeners, the hearers. Please bless my reading and help me, Father, I pray to communicate your words, your message, and your truth tonight to our ears, to our hearts. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to write it upon the table of our heart, to remember it and to meditate on it, to chew it over and to really ingrain it into our lives. Lord, I pray for uh, Mrs. Tina Wright and for her daughters, Julia and Victoria, that I pray, Lord, that you would provide for them everything that they need in terms of finances, in terms of scholarships and work hours and credits and everything that they need, that you know that they need, Lord, for their school and for their studies. I pray that you would protect and heal their family. I pray that you would heal and provide for the McConkie family and for Joel and that you would heal him and that you would heal Scarlett as they are fighting against cancer and that their bodies, uh, that I pray, Lord, that you would fully and completely restore them to full health. I pray, Father, for uh, Mr. Napu'unoa uh, and for Grandpa Delano. I pray that you would heal them of their cancer that they are fighting now and that you would restore them, that you would touch their bodies and, then the, and their lives and really fully restore them to full health. Lord, I pray for our country, for all those that are fighting against this coronavirus, that this COVID-19, I pray that you would heal them, Lord, that you would make them whole, that you would restore our country to full health. Please give our leaders, our presidents, our governors, our representatives, our senators, our mayors, all those that are making decisions right now to either open or to uh, remain closed and I pray that you would give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I pray that you would be able and you would enable, Lord, to uh, open our country back up and to begin to uh, provide an economy that is growing again. Lord, please help us to do your will. No matter what happens, Father, help souls to be saved, lives to be transformed, people to grow closer to you, no matter the circumstances in this world. Help us to draw closer to you, God. Help us to lead others to draw close to you as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Psalm 101, a psalm of David tonight. I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. 
Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will I not suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Psalm 101, a psalm of David, it declares, it states that David will sing of mercy and judgment unto the Lord. We should do that as well. We should sing about God's holiness, his mercy that he extends to all people, and his wise and perfect judgment that he will judge all mankind with at one point at the end of this world, at the end of people's lives. David also states in this psalm that I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. He, the, he is choosing to do the right thing. He will walk in his house with a perfect heart. He will keep that which is inside of himself, his mind, his eyes, his heart. He will keep that clean and pure. It says in verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will hate the work of them that turn aside, it shall not cleave to me. I will not let other things that other people try to make decisions that are unwise, I will not let them be stuck to me. I will choose to do the right thing. And so David is relating in the first three verses of this psalm that what he will do is a personal worship of God in his personal life, in his personal relationship with God, and also uh, how he will remove wicked people and wicked influences from his life. Uh, a froward person or a froward heart shall depart from me, he says in verse 4. Uh, somebody that tells lies and slander, will he not suffer to be close to him? Mine eye shall be upon the faithful of the land. Once again, how he relates to other people in his worship of God. But he that worketh deceit and is not faithful to his neighbors, will he not allow to be close to him and to influence him? And then as the king, as the leader who is responsible for how the nation was serving God, he also declares that he will cut off the wicked doers from the land and from the city of God. And this is a goal, this is a statement that leaders can really take to heart, that they are to keep those that are under their leadership, whether they are a pastor, a governor, a senator, a president even, that they are to keep their land as pure as possible and to follow after the Lord. Now we're going to turn to the book of Judges, chapter 11. And now we're going to read about Jephthah, the ninth judge, chapter 11. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah, and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren, and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah, and went out with him. And it came to pass in process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me, and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come unto me now, when ye are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us, and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over all the 
inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If ye bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us, if we do not so according to thy words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpeh. And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do with me, that thou art come against me to fight in my land? And the king of the children of Ammon answered unto the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt, from Arnon even unto Jabbok, and unto Jordan. Now therefore restore those lands again peaceably. And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon, and he said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah, Israel took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Ammon. But when Israel came up from Egypt, and walked through the wilderness unto the Red Sea, and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. And in like manner they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent, and Israel abode in Kadesh. Then they went along through the wilderness, and compassed the land of Edom, and the land of Moab, and came by the east side of the land of Moab, and pitched on the other side of Arnon, but came not within the border of Moab, for Arnon was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers unto Sion, king of the Amorites, the king of Heshbon. And Israel said unto him, Let us pass, we pray thee, through thy land into my place. But Sion trusted not Israel to pass through his coast. But Sion gathered all his people together, and pitched in Jahaz, and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sion and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites, the inhabitants of that country. And they possessed all the coasts of the Amorites, from Arnon even unto Jabbok, and from the wilderness even unto Jordan. So now the Lord God of Israel hath dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. And shouldest thou possess it? Wilt not thou possess that which Chemosh thy God giveth thee to possess? So whomsoever the Lord our God shall drive out from before us, them will we possess. And now art thou anything better than Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel, or did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and her towns, and in Aroer and her towns, and in all the cities that be along by the coasts of Arnon three hundred years, why therefore did ye not recover them within that time? Wherefore I have not sinned against thee, but thou doest me wrong to war against me. The Lord, the judge, be judged this day between the children of Israel and the children of Ammon. Howbeit the king of the children of Ammon hearkened not unto the words of Jephthah which he sent him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpeh of Gilead, and from Mizpeh of Gilead he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord, and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed 
passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aroer, even till thou come to Minith, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah came to Mizpeh unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass, when he saw her, that he rent his clothes, and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth, forasmuch as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains, and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months, and she went with her companions, and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow which he had vowed, and she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in a year. And the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together, and went northward, and said unto Jephthah, Wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon, and didst not call us to go with thee? We will burn thine house upon thee with fire. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon, and when I called you, you delivered me not out of their hands. And when I saw that ye delivered me not, I put my life in my hands, and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are ye come up unto me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead, and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim, because they said, Ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites. And it was so that when those Ephraimites which were escaped said, Let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he said, Nay, then they said unto him, Say now, Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. Then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan. And there fell at that time of the Ephraimites forty and two thousand. And Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then died Jephthah the Gileadite, and was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. And after him, Ibzon of Bethlehem judged Israel. And he had thirty sons and thirty daughters, whom he sent abroad, and took in thirty daughters from abroad for his sons, and he judged Israel seven years. Then died Ibzon, and was buried at Bethlehem. And after him, Elon, a Zebulonite, judged Israel, and he judged Israel ten years. And Elon, the Zebulonite, died, and he was buried in Aijalon in the country of Zebulon. And after him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, a Pirathonite, judged Israel. And he had forty sons and thirty nephews that rode on threescore and ten ass colts. And he judged Israel eight years. And Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirathonite, died and was buried in Pirathon in the land of Ephraim in the mount of the Amalekites. Here in chapter 11 of the book of Judges, we have Jephthah, the ninth judge of Israel. And 
before we go into really the story of Jephthah, we have to remember that the qualities of these men and of the nation as well was all of Israel was doing what was right in their own eyes. They were doing what they thought was right. And so we'll see that Jephthah also sometimes will make decisions and do what he thought was right, even if it is not the right thing to do. And uh, that being said, Jephthah was a Gileadite, and Gilead was in the northeastern side of the territorial nation and boundaries of Israel, uh, northeastern section of the areas that of northeastern Jordan, and so like northern middle of Israel, and so south of the Sea of Chinnereth or the Sea of Galilee, but east of the Jordan River, and so kind of in the middle of the entire area and land there. And so there are a couple of different places that are called Gilead in those areas, but this is most likely the most eastern uh, city of Gilead, Ramoth Gilead, and the one that is much closer to the Jordan River and near the Jordan River is Jabesh Gilead. And so this eastern area was most likely the one that was invaded and inhabited by the Ammonites, the, the nation of Ammon and their king that had risen up to try to take this land away from the nation of Israel, away from those outlying cities of the tribes of the Gadites and the Reubenites and the Manassites. And this specific Gilead, uh, the, this city is taking Jephthah, who was rejected by his brethren of that city and of those um, the people that were the descendants of Gilead, who called this city after his own name of Gilead, and they they called Jephthah, who had risen up as kind of an outlaw and a leader of a, a band of people and men that were now powerful and strong enough that they sought him and his leadership to defeat the Ammonites. Now, since he had been rejected by his brethren, he had dwelt at the land of Tob, which is even more east of Ramoth-Gilead. And so the elders of the city of Gilead sent unto him and asked him to come unto them. And they agreed that if he would deliver them out of the hands of the Ammonites, that they would make him their leader and the leader of the city of Gilead and the, all of the elders and the people. So he agrees to these terms. And then he goes, and Jephthah states all that he the agreement that he has made with the elders of Gilead before the Lord. And then he goes and he sends messengers unto the king of Ammon. The king of Ammon and responds and tells him that it's because the Israelites had taken the land away from him and away from the nation of Ammon when they came up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord had delivered this land out of the, the hand of the king Sion of the Amorites into the hand of the Israelites. And so Jephthah recites when he sends this, all of his messengers back to the king of Ammon, he recites this history and tells how the Sion, the king of the Amorites, had went out and tried to fight against Israel and had provoked them to battle. And so they defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, and they took this land by right of conquest from uh, the people that were trying to defeat them and trying to challenge them in battle. And so uh, the king of Ammon, he rejects and he doesn't even listen to any of these words and they go out to battle. And then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, it says, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh and passed over Mizpeh of Gilead. And from Mizpeh of Gilead, he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And then he goes and he vows a vow also unto the Lord and said, if thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, 
When I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them even from Aroer, even till thou come to Minith, even twenty cities. And so the Lord delivers the king of Ammon and all of the uh, warriors of Ammon into the hand of Jephthah, and they defeat all of them. And the Lord grants Jephthah and Israel a mighty victory by defeating their enemies. Now, we have to look at this vow that Jephthah vowed unto the Lord, and we have to look at it in either two different lights, and there's two different interpretations of this vow. The first is the straightforward, literal uh, interpretation of it that we read from the English, that this vow is a vow that Jephthah made unto the Lord, that anything that comes from my property, from my house, from my tent, from when I come back to greet me, the first thing that I see, then that will I offer unto the Lord, and it will be the Lord's, and I will offer it as a burnt offering, and no matter what it is, or who it is, or how it is, I will offer it as a burnt offering, and I will burn it unto the Lord. And so that's the uh, straightforward, that is the, uh, not only the straightforward, that, but that is kind of the, if we don't look at it with any other context, that is the interpretation that if people are just reading this for the first time, that's probably what they would assume when they read it. The other is also maybe kind of a historical context interpretation of these are the people of Israel, and there has been no known human sacrifice or worship to idols or worship to God where human sacrifice has ever been accepted or ever done historically up to this point. And the Lord God of Israel has never allowed for human sacrifice ever to be used as worship unto him. And so for that reason, and because it was forbidden in Levitical law, and there was no uh, no statutes or no ordinances for any type of sacrifice other than the animal sacrifices that were outlined by the Lord in that law. And Jephthah also had the spirit of the Lord that had come upon him, it says in verse 29. Now this does not mean that he had the spirit of the Lord inside of him guiding his heart and his mind. But it says that it was it come upon him. Uh, so because of that, we could also use a second interpretation that the when his daughter came forth out of his house, that he offered her as a living sacrifice unto the Lord because she was his daughter. And because of that, she would be a perpetual living sacrifice that would serve in the temple as a perpetual long life servant unto the Lord and would never marry and would never bear children because she is set apart unto the Lord and would be his for the rest of her life. Now this, given the context of her asking for her father's permission to go and for two months bewail her virginity and not bewail the loss of her life instead, uh, kind of makes more sense in that line. Whichever the case is, we do not know but we do know that the daughters of Israel, it said, went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in a year. And we can't really imagine that the people of Israel would go and celebrate this if this was a human burnt offering sacrifice. But we could imagine that they would celebrate this if it was a sacrifice of self-denial of life for the rest of the life of this person, both for her and for Jephthah, because uh, of his 
a sacrifice of her his daughter unto the Lord as a living sacrifice, he would never be able to uh, have grandchildren then and con to continue his family line. We also have to note that God did not demand this of Jephthah or of any person. Whichever interpretation is the correct interpretation and the correct understanding of this, even if Jephthah did offer his daughter as a burnt sacrifice, this was never something that the Lord chose. This was never something that the Lord honored or loved or wanted. This was specifically spoken of against in his law and against his commandments. In either case, it was a choice and a vow that Jephthah made by his own and by himself. Now, in chapter 12, we also see that Ephraim, the men of Ephraim, were jealous that uh, Gilead and that Jephthah had gone and defeated the Ammonites without calling them to battle. And so they go and they tell him that we'll burn his house down with fire. And uh, Jephthah then rebukes them and reproves them. And then they fight against one another in this battle. The men of Gilead versus the men of Ephraim. And the Gileadites defeat them. And the men of Ephraim are running away. And so the men of Gilead go before them. And they capture the passages of Jordan so that they cannot escape across the Jordan River without going through these fords or these passages. And they say, let me through. And the men of Gilead ask, are you from Ephraim? They say, no. Then they say, say Shibboleth, which is a word that they knew that the Ephraimites could not pronounce because they had grown up from such a young age pronouncing it with the S instead of the SH sound as Sibboleth, and they could not pronounce it Shibboleth, and because of that they knew that they were an Ephraimite, and then if once they found that out, they would kill them there. And Jephthah judged Israel for six years, and then he died, and they buried him in one of the cities of Gilead. Then we see the 10th, 11th, and the 12th judges of Ibzon, Elon, and Abdon, and not much is really noted about them except for the length of their judgeships in Israel, and that they had many sons and many daughters. And now we are also beginning to see that in the nation of Israel there is increased problems, increased contentions, increased emotional reactions without logic and without thinking, and problems that they begin to fight against one another as well. And we'll see that this continues to get worse and worse over time, sadly. Now we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs, though, and we're going to read from the wisdom of God and the wisdom of Solomon in chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And that says, Even in laughter the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. This first verse, verse 13, where even laughter the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness, is talking about when a heart is already in great sorrow, sometimes in despair, and to the point where uh, there's just no hope that's felt in that heart. And so even in that time, when there's that inner turmoil, that inner uh, sadness and sorrow and grief and heaviness, then even when a person laughs, it's still it results in sorrow. Even when a person is filled with mirth or with uh, joy and experiencing the joy of life, even that, and in, even 
the end of that is heaviness, and there's nothing that can really cure it, which is why we need the Lord, and we need his joy, his love, and his heart as well. The backslider in heart, in verse 14, shall be filled with his own ways. He'll find the consequences of that which he do does, that which he puts his mind, his hands, and his heart unto. He'll be filled with those consequences. But a good man, he shall be satisfied. He shall be content when he denies self and follows after God. Friend, we find that little is much with the Lord. Okay, now we're going to turn to the book of John. The book of John, we're going to read verses 1 through 28. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him, and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed, and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him, and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethbara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Here we go. This is the book of John. This is the best gospel account and best testimony that is given of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. This declares that he was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So that is declaring that in the beginning of the world, before even heaven was made, before even earth was made, there was Jesus Christ. 
Christ as the Word. The Word was Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, And the Word, the same capital W Word that was in verse 1, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of Jesus Christ, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is full and was full and is currently full of grace and truth because from him comes perfect grace. From him comes perfect truth. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Heaven was made by him. Earth was made by him. The sun, the moon, the stars, they were all made by him. The seas, the mountains, the trees, the valleys, the water, even the air that we breathe, it was all made by him. There was not anything made that was made not made by him, it says. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so he gave life unto men. And he is the light of men also, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Those that were looking for light, those that are currently looking for light, if they look unto Jesus Christ, they will find light. But if they are trying to hide from the light, they will hide from him. There was a man sent from God, verses 6 through 8, give a little bit of testimony about John, that he came for a witness to bear witness of Jesus Christ, that he is the light of men, that he is the Lamb of God, that he takes away the sin of the world, that he was not worthy to unloose the very shoe latchet of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God. He also declared that he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. In verse 25, he gives testimony after they ask him why he was baptizing them, and he answered, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. And he declares that from the prophet Isaiah that he is one, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet uh, as said the prophet Isaiah, he was fulfilling that prophecy, that he was declaring the people, preparing for them, giving a witness as there was a need for two that would bear witness of anything in Jewish custom, that he was the witness declaring that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the Son, the only begotten Son of God, the Word was now with them. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. These scribes the Pharisees, those that were the religious elite that were just trying to cling and hold on to their own power, they did not recognize him. They did not acknowledge him as he truly is. He came unto his own, it says in verse 11. He came unto the, Isra the nation of Israel as a Jewish man, and he was not recognized by the nation of Israel or by the uh, religious elite or the Jewish leaders, but as many as received him as individual persons that received him and trusted on him for their salvation as him, as their Savior, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And they were born of flesh and blood, but they were reborn, born again, born a second time by the Spirit, not by blood, not by the will of the flesh, nor by the will of man, but of God and of God's Spirit. Verse 15 is once again John giving witness of him. And verse 16 is saying that of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. Of the fullness of grace, that unmerited favor, that 
very eternal, merciful blessings from God, we receive that through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we receive grace for him. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. The law cannot save. The thing that was given unto Moses that Moses gave to man cannot save, but by the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, all man can be saved. No man saw God, but Jesus Christ, as the only begotten Son of God, he came from God. He could declare the grace of God. He could declare the love of God. He could declare the understanding and the knowledge of God, but also his perfectness and his righteousness. And so verses 19 through 27 then give that testimony of John that he was not Elias, that he was a prophet, that he was not uh, a man come to do miracles, but he was one to declare the prophecy, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, prepare to receive the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the Lamb who has come to take away the sin of the world. These things he did in Bethbara beyond Jordan, in the location where he was baptizing, when he was preparing people to receive the Messiah and the Christ. And now we can know that Messiah, we can know our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is God and that he has come to save mankind. Let's spread the gospel, let's spread the word of God that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. He's come to save all men and that salvation is offered freely to all who will believe and they can become the sons of God. Thank you for studying the Word of God with me tonight. It's been quite a blessing to study this amazing book, this uh, amazing gospel account of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue to honor the Lord with all that we do and to spread His Word, His name, His gospel, His good news. Uh, if you have any praises or prayer requests, please send them to me at wwgcaleb at gmail.com. That's wwgcaleb at gmail.com. I'll be sure to look for those and to pray with you for them. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow for the next Walk with God podcast.